0: Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi folks, it's Foss here from the Chris Foss Show dot com. The Chris Foss Welcome to the Big Show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Part of the big Chris Foss Show family. The family loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as that one time you really made your mom mad when uh you sat on the plastic couch. Uh and uh, we all know what that was like as 70s children. <laughs> but millennials and Gen Zers are what? Uh, there you go. Uh, you never go into the living room. The living room is a showroom that waits for people to come by, if you remember that. And uh, you're never allowed to go into the living room. Is it the living room or the family room? I always get those two. Uh, but but you know the room that mom would never let you go into. But you still had to go in there and dust things. So there you go. We still love you, uh, regardless of whether you went in there or not. Uh, as always, folks, we certainly appreciate the five-star reviews we've been getting on the, uh, on the iTunes. And, uh, man, you guys just make me you guys touch me uh, and and you, you make me, you know, weep sometimes with joy when I hear stuff like uh, what a master of his craft. Chris Voss delivers such a wealth of business and engagement knowledge and delivers so many vital tips and tricks on winning communication and market message empowerment. Great content. Excellent host. Excellent form. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, SK Moulter. Some of the names that are on here are kind of interesting. I don't know who it is, but uh, uh, I really appreciate it. So if you get a chance, go give us a five-star review. Support the show because supporting the show helps more people see it, hear it, and get involved. And in doing so, we can bring you more of the show. Unless you want less of the show, then don't leave a five-star review and we'll just do less. I mean, I got better things to no, do. I'm just kidding. Uh, go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss. YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, And Chris foss 1 on the tickety-tockety. As always, we have the most brilliant minds on the show who bring you things that will make you smarter, better. They'll give you the Chris Foss show glow, as we like to say it. That's a trademark, actually. And uh, and in in essence, you will become sexier all around. As you walk around life, people will just be in a maze. They'll be like... Holy crap, he's got the Chris Voss glow. He's just, wow, he must listen to the podcast. I must listen to it, too. And as always, uh, they are uh, joining us on the show. Uh, We have another wonderful young lady joining us today. Annie Margarita Yang joins us on the show today. She is the author of the latest book to come out August 6, 2023. It's called The Five-Day Job Search proven strategies to answering tough interview questions and getting multiple job offers. This sounds like something a lot of people should want, especially those folks over there on the LinkedInity, as they t- say, TikTokity, LinkedInity. It just doesn't work on LinkedIn, does it? That yeah, I can get away with TikTok. Uh, she is a game changer for millennials tired of running a never-ending financial treadmill. Uh, she is a money-saving guru with over a million YouTube views. And she's also written Amazon bestsellers, like the five-day job search we'll be talking about today, and 1,001 ways to save money. That's a lot of ways to save money, and and, uh, definitely we should hear about that as well. Uh, She is not a Gen Xer or from an earlier generation. Okay, Boomer. She's a millennial who understands how crazy the job market and helping positive bank account status is right now. It's always good to keep that bank account positive, I hear. Uh, She gets it. She delayed dream struggles and hunger for escape. But here's the thing. She doesn't just talk the talk. She walks it. And that's why uh, we're excited to have her on the show. Some of the systems she's been created to make financial freedom feel more like an achievable goal than an unrealistic dream. So if you're a millennial or probably a Gen Z, or maybe. Uh, overwhelmed by your student loan debt, finding a perfect job, or how you'll pay all your bills. Our latest book is all the tips you're going to need. And if you're Gen Z, you'll want to avoid crushing debt in the first place. I think some of them are already kind of in the college thing, so they might they might have signed up for it. But the more you can avoid, the better. Welcome to the show, Annie. How are you?
1: Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm so excited to be here today to share insights from the five-day job search. Just wanted to put this in here. If people watch until the very end, they'll learn how to get 10% off a signed paperback copy.
0: Ah, there you go. I love autographed copies of books. They're, 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 they're more personal to me uh, yeah. and more valuable, I think. Uh, if anybody ever sold one of my books that I'd personally autographed for them to them personally, I'd be like kind of offended because I'm like, that was for you, man. But whatever, dude. Uh, (laughs) I see it's on eBay. Uh, So, uh, Annie, give us your dot coms. Where can people find you on the interwebs?
1: The main place where they can find me is on Mm AnnieYangFinancial.com. My largest social media right now is YouTube. They can just Mm -hmm. search for Annie Margarita Yang. And I'm also growing my TikTok. Just started yesterday, literally. So they can find me on TikTok (laughs) with the username Annie Yang Financial.
0: There you go. Well, you should do well on there. The TikTok is great for the young kids and uh, YouTube is as well. The young kids just really uh, love both those formats. So uh, give us a 30,000 overview of what's inside the five-day job search.
1: The five-day job search is basically a misnomer. I know people like instant gratification, they want something quick, easy, and they think there's some sort of secret to landing a job in only five days. So that's why I got this catchy title here. But actually, if they read the introduction, they're going to find out that to land a job in five days, you have to become the kind of person that's worthy of landing one in five Mm. days. So it's really, if you love personal development, self-improvement, that's all in here
0: hmm This tells me, this, that this sounds like all my dates tell me on Tinder that I need to be more worthy of love, of, <laughs> of love. But, but my mom also tells me that too. I need to be worthy of love, uh, and that somebody she'll get around to it. I'm just kidding. She's wonderful. Uh, so, uh, thanks Matthew Fulton for calling in. Thank you for sharing your book with us, Annie. Appreciate the comments there, bud. Uh, so, what uh what motivated you want to write this book? I know it seems obvious, and I may have alluded to it in the biography, but people like to hear it from your words uh, uh you know what motivated you to write this book?
1: Actually, it's not obvious I didn't want to write the book at all. I oh. wasn't interested <laughs> writing a book is a a huge endeavor. I'm not interested in writing a second book. I already wrote one that there was are you one damn it.
0: what more do you want from me people
1: yeah, but um. <laughs> honestly i think i have some psychic ability i can hear voices in my head oh. i'm not schizophrenic i i'm mentally sane completely all right i'm a very smart young lady um i'm just very intuitive and one day when i was trying to go to sleep at night at 1 a.m i just heard 10 voices in my head going off you gotta write this next book <laughs> I i don't want to write it and on and on for like an hour i'm just like leave me alone i want to sleep but then <laughs> just kept saying you got to put this in the book and that in the book and and i said come back in the morning (laughs) all right i gotta sleep i have work tomorrow and uh they wouldn't stop they just said no you won't listen to us in the morning you gotta write this down now so i i i got up i started writing everything down slept at 4 a.m next day the same thing and i thought this is insane
0: or it you're going on, insane? One of the
1: yeah, it went on for ten days. I what I did was I dictated everything that I heard into my iPhone for the next ten days, oh. and then I just transcribed it into a manuscript that became the book.
2: Wow,
0: that's yeah. one way to that's one way to do it. Yeah, I, I wrote tried, it in ten days. I tried doing that with the voices in my head, but the manuscript just said kill, 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 kill. Yeah. So, uh, but it, evidently, I have a few personalities, as most of my listeners know. So, there's that. Yeah. And it says it in that voice that go, 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 you know, that sort of thing. I don't know. I can't do the voice. So, um, there's a great tips that are there. Tell us a little bit about your origin story, uh, how you grew up. Um, you know, you, I believe you're a millennial as you've cited in your bio. Yeah. Um, how did that shape you and kind of, uh, shape the book as well? I suppose, uh, as you went through this journey of your life.
1: Well, I'm 28 now. I graduated high school 10 years ago back in 2013. Mm -hmm. I'm from um, a working-class Chinese immigrant family. Mm -hmm. So I'm the first generation here. My parents don't have a lot of money. And during my senior year in high school, everyone in my school was applying to go to college. 99% of people from my school got into college. I'm the 1%, well, not even 1%, .1 0.1% that didn't get in not because i'm not capable or qualified but because i didn't even apply i was the only student in the whole school that didn't even apply to go to college um Uh because it just it didn't make sense to go without already knowing what i want to do with my life Mm -hmm. because i'm a straight-a student my whole life all i've known is school And I'm like, why go in circles? I see people after they graduate college, they realize, oh, I actually don't like accounting or I I actually don't (laughs) like psychology, but I've spent $100,000 on this degree. I have to do something with it. I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to avoid that, especially because my parents didn't have money. So there you go. that's where I come from. basically.
0: And, you know, I've seen, I saw that a lot in life. I went through the same thing when I was 18. I had a Pell grant. My parents are poor. Uh, I had a Pell grant to go to the University of Utah and I started my first company. And I thought, well, this company thing seems to be working out. I'm going to go do the run for that. But I, I knew a lot of people, you know, that were going to college and they're changing their major every week, you know? Yeah, You're like, how's that psychology thing working out for you? And they're like, "Uh, I'm doing a construction major. And, you know, the next week they're like doing, you're like, what do you want? What do you want to know? And I do know over the course of my lifetime, I've seen so many people, you know, I've met CEOs that, you know, what was your major in college? Ballerina. ballerina." (laughs) Um, You're like, what? Uh, You know, uh, literal, uh, some of my friends with uh, literal arts and liberal arts. Uh, you know, and and they studied drama and acting, and you know, they're CEOs of companies. But um, it's interesting to, that people uh, struggle with that. And I, I know as the millennial generation had a lot of struggles because they were kind of born into that age of the 2008 crash and the financial nightmare and light recession that that was the Great Recession, I think it was what we call it. And so that kind of scarred them and 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 kind of impeded their their ability to hit the ground running a little bit, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that is why when I was in school in 2012, I was like looking at everything that was happening to millennials that were in college or just recently finished. I was like, this doesn't make sense. I was reading the news at the time, and every day I just couldn't stop reading about student loans because this was my future, right? And I would read about how half of the people who recently graduated college didn't even have a job, or they were underemployed, meaning they were working a job that either didn't require their degree, or it just wasn't related to their degree at all. Not only that, the average student loan debt coming out at that time was $26,000, which to me was unfathomable, right? Um, And then now today, it's worse. It's $36,000.
0: Yeah. And you know what's you know what's really awful is a lot of it a lot of it just services the interest. There are people my age in their fifties that I see on Facebook, and they're like, "I finally paid off my student loans," and I'm like, "You've been paying that for thirty years."
1: Yeah, yeah, that's actually really common. Years.
0: yeah, it is. Half
1: of borrowers are over thirty-five years old. Really? Yeah. Wow. And the average person get this, takes 21 years to pay off their student loans in full.
0: Do they really? 21 yeah. years?
1: Yeah. It's not 10 years. It's 21. Yeah.
0: Years. See, I own a mortgage company for 20 years, and I started seeing that at the tail end of it before the 2008 crisis wiped all the mortgage companies out. And I would see doctors that, you know, they were making like 200 grand a year. They come out of med school and stuff, but their, their debt service on their college loans was so huge They may as well have been living on a minimum wage income. They couldn't afford nice houses. They couldn't afford hardly anything. And I'm like, wait, you're a doctor and you get paid all this money, but all of it's going towards, you know, loan service. And so people don't realize uh, a lot of these things. So you wrote the book, 1001 Ways, I believe, to save money. Correct. There you go, and so that probably uh, was some tips at living frugal and living within your means. Um, and uh, now this one, the five day job search. And imagine this is fairly popular uh, on LinkedIn as well, isn't it?
1: I haven't. I actually haven't promoted it yet. I'm actually oh, starting my my marketing. I have this huge marketing plan. I plan on get mm-hmm. on five hundred podcasts. Oh, yeah, and share. Mm-hmm. All of those podcasts with people on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok. So Mm -hmm. we're not there yet, but I plan to sell over a million copies.
0: There you go. I love your plan, man. You've got a plan and uh, that's the way to do it. And I know you can with this, especially LinkedIn, because LinkedIn, the large majority of LinkedIn is job searcher seekers or potential job seekers. And then recruiters are just all over that thing. And so that's the, that's the business place to go when uh, people go there. Um, So in, in today's digital age, how does personal branding play into job search?
1: Okay. What people don't realize is that everyone already has a personal brand. If Even if you don't even have an online profile on social media, you Hmm. have a personal brand online. Hmm. The personal brand is the I don't have social media personal brand.
2: (laughs) I love it.
1: And if you have social media, but what you post on social media is this is what they wrote on my Starbucks cup or this is what I ate for dinner last night. Your personal brand is this is what I ate for dinner last
0: night. If you have uh, AOL.com is your email address, Uh, is that a personal brand too then?
1: yeah. Like people instantly judge you for what you post online. So, you know the saying, you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. Well, when it comes to personal branding online and how it relates to your job search, you are what you post.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Well, there you go. And it's really true. We've talked about this on the show before. In fact, I think we had a little bit of a debate on on a show recently. uh, And and I was talking about what you're talking about. How uh, now everyone's pretty much a personal brand, especially online. When you put your little shilling out there and, and you're like, I'm... I'm X, Y, Z, you're building a personal brand. And, you know, uh, I've had people on like yourself that have talked about it on LinkedIn, you need to manage your personal brand. If you're putting up a lot of stupid stuff on LinkedIn while you're searching for a job, like, I don't know, idiot memes or maybe poli- some political stuff, job, job searchers, job recruiters are going to see that and go, yeah, not this guy. We can see right through him. We know exactly what he's about. He's, he's the one that's going to be in HR every five minutes.
2: <laughs> there you go. And you'll
1: never know it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the
1: thing. You'll never know it. You'll never know why they didn't reach out to you for the interview, why yeah. you didn't get the job. They just simply will ignore you.
0: Yeah, it's like on Tinder. Like No one ever tells you they left swiped you. You just never know. So you just yeah. sit there paranoid all the time going, am I getting left swiped? I don't know. Maybe there should be a counter that says how many times you've been left-swiped and right-swiped on Tinder. That would, that would be brutal, man. Uh, so, um, you know, do you think that millennials and Gen Zers get this more than people in the Gen X department? Like I said, I, we had a little bit of a debate about it the other day with somebody who didn't think that social media online accounts are branding. Um, do you think you guys get this more because you guys grew up in this digital age?
1: That's not true. Okay. Yeah. I look at my friends on Facebook. I look at my connections on LinkedIn. They're not branding themselves. Mm. That's why I'm the one getting all the five-day job searches. And they're here saying that they've been looking for a job for six months. They still don't have a job yet. Because the things I see them posing online, I'm like, this has nothing to do with your work. Yeah. (laughs) They're posting pictures of the family. It's nice. It's a personal Facebook. But you can't avoid the fact that when an employer is looking to hire They want the best one for the job, and unless you're showcasing the fact that you are the best person for the job because you posted something related to your expertise, not just once, but over and over and over again to build that perception, that's not what they're going to think of you for.
0: And I don't know if you, I I imagine you know this, but I don't know if a lot of people know this, but there are some really uh, heavy uh, internet crawling software that companies are starting to use now that can hunt down, they can put in your email, your phone number, your name, and they can hunt down just about every account that you own across social media. Um, and they can see your accounts, then they can see what you're posting. Uh, I mean, they can do like a really deep dive background check. I suppose if you've got, I don't know, some, um, some account on, I don't know, some site that you shouldn't be on or something that belies something, you know, whatever, um, they're going to see it. And they're going yeah, to
1: know, they're going to find, you. they're going to
0: be like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know this person for us. If you're posting stuff that's toxic or maybe isn't going to do well around the uh, water cooler at the office, or maybe you're posting something that, uh, isn't in line with, uh, you know, diversity and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of these diversity, uh, uh departments okay. now
1: initiatives yeah
0: initiatives the d-a-e-d-a-e-i um and uh you know they're probably gonna be like this guy is gonna work out he, he he's posting some racist stuff and things along those lines
1: yeah this reminds me of something it's a book that i read called likeonomics hmm. there's four types of people there's a highly competent highly agreeable person hmm. highly competent but a jerk
0: that's probably me <laughs> Wait. Then
1: there's like the polite person but incompetent. And mm. then there's like you're incompetent and you're a jerk. No, now, that's me
0: right there. If that's you're me. in the
1: last category, no one wants to hire you. But <laughs> this what is why I work for myself, Annie. Is the second and the third category. <laughs> people would rather work with someone who's polite but incompetent than an incompetent jerk.
2: That's so, true. That's so true. So
1: if people see the kinds of things that you're posting online, um, are not necessary. well, I hate the word politically correct. I, I don't think I like to be politically correct, but just if you can, you're the kind of person you sow divisiveness hmm. and you definitely show your anger online, hmm. just kind of like bad energy. Nobody likes bad energy.
0: Nobody likes that injury. Nobody likes working for bad bosses. That's why people leave companies or bad environments or bad, uh, you know, communities and stuff like that. People don't like that. They want to do their work and they want to go home and uh, all that good stuff. So how does a personal branding differentiate a job seeker in a competitive market, and how can it elevate an individual in their niche? How can it bring us up if we're a brand?
1: Well, first of all, if someone's looking for a job and you want to be competitive, you at least need the LinkedIn profile. Mm. It's like the new resume. The resume can only fit one page. On that one page you can put I don't know, 3, 4 job experiences, your degree and then some volunteer work maybe. Yeah, that's all whatever you, you
0: whatever you is. want to make up.
1: Yeah, unless you make the font so tiny that nobody can read it.
0: I do that too.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't fit very much. But the LinkedIn, you can put all of your past job history that's related and uh-huh. that will help you. It will give you that extra oomph because maybe you've had actually six experiences related to what you want to apply for, but you can't fit it all on the resume. So I feel like the LinkedIn is more of a way to showcase the rest of your background to round you out. Yeah. Not only that, you can also make your LinkedIn look very beautiful,
2: mm-hmm.
1: very uh, visually pleasing and attractive, right? Um, along with the uh, bio, I think a lot of people mess the bio up because mm-hmm. you can't put that on a resume. But on their bio, they just put some one-liner like, I'm an accountant working in the real estate industry.
0: Uh, I'm a guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what they really need is something that says, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find w- when I've hired, I've hired candidates myself and I'm looking at their, their resume. They don't stand out. You know, what, at first, I wanted to spend at least a minute on each resume, because I read that the average recruiter spends only six to 10 seconds looking at a resume. And I yeah. thought, I want to be a bit more, you know, considerate of people. I want to actually read the resume. And then after doing that for a few minutes, I thought, this is pointless. <laughs> I can't tell the difference between all of these applicants. If I just crossed off the name from the top, they, I would have thought they were all the same. Wow. I couldn't tell who to give the the interview to, so yeah. I feel like the LinkedIn. If you have actually have a LinkedIn URL at the top of your resume that people can go to and check out, they can see more and see how you're different. It yeah. allows more flexibility, basically.
0: So, uh, for someone starting out for a job or launching their own venture, uh, you think that LinkedIn is probably one of the most important places they should be initially.
1: Especially for a job or venture. For a venture, in terms of the venture, I think it's not necessarily about getting clients through LinkedIn, but the networking Mm -hmm. and meeting the right people who you do want to work with, who can help you.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't think a lot of people know how much background checking goes into there. When we pick people that come on the show, when we, when I look at people to network with, or, you know, I get outreach on an email and some sort of offer or PR thing, or, you know, someone wants to talk to me about something I check with LinkedIn and I'll, I'll check with social media too. I don't have the sophisticated things that hunts down everyone's emails and, and uh, websites and accounts but, uh, you know, people have to realize it's out there. Like, people are still pretty oblivious, do you find, at not realizing that there's so much of their online footprint that people can find stuff, you know? I mean, people always find my OnlyFans account.
2: <laughs> there's well, not one people.
1: Yeah, I... I actually was so embarrassed by this because I did an audit of my own online footprint. Oh, I started using the Internet when I was in fifth grade using this username called Annie Love Pie, which I don't like (laughs) to admit to people because it's like very cute.
0: Pie is good, though.
1: Doesn't sound professional, though. That's true. (laughs) So I four years ago, I Googled Annie Love Pie. I also Googled my full name, Annie Yang and mm-hmm. Annie Margarita Yang. And I found things on there. I was like, oh, this is really embarrassing because when I was a teenager, I, I liked to answer questions on Yahoo Answers. And someone had asked, why does it feel so good to stay under like warm, cozy blankets?
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and, and I answered that question and I don't remember what the answer was but it was really embarrassing. And I thought, <laughs> wow, if somebody searched me, I I'd be really embarrassed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: and see, you you guys, the millennials, are the first generation to grow up like that with a footprint. You know, us as Gen Xers, we did a lot of stupid stuff, and, you know, sometimes we weren't we were one of the best people, but none of it's recorded anywhere because there was no internet. Like, you know, we never, you know, when the, the time when the cop had to talk to us about throwing the football on the street and it hit a car, you know, that sort of stuff or something, you know, and there's no record of that anywhere. It's just like lost in the times and memories of people. But you guys are the first generations to do that, and then Gen Z as well, where you know you you guys literally have a footprint from from the beginning of life. Like if your parents were really loose on social media, there's probably half naked pictures of you as a baby on Facebook or something. Hey, here's our cute new baby, and you're just like, do you really want to have that all hanging out when he finds that photo when he's twenty? Or his, his boss. At
2: work. Well, that's that. why the
1: lawsuits have started. <laughs> People who have turned 18 and have had their parents share their entire life on social media. Oh, my gosh. They're now suing their parents.
0: Are they really suing their <laughs> parents? Yeah, they're suing oh, wow. their
1: parents because it's an invasion of their <laughs> privacy. And they didn't give their parents permission to do that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is one the millionth reasons why I didn't have kids. Uh, so, but this is interesting and it's something, as you point out, people need to think about and be aware of. And uh, I imagine you've got to do a little bit of background cleaning. Once you do this sort of digital analysis, uh, archiving of what what's in your history,
2: right?
1: Yeah. The first thing that I did was once I found something that I didn't like, I deleted that account. Mm-hmm. So I deleted my Yahoo account. Yeah. <laughs> I deleted I had a whole bunch of websites that I made usernames for, like a login for, that I didn't even remember I made a (laughs) login for. I was like, when did I sign up for this? But apparently I did. So I had to reset password and thank God it, you know, came to my email and uh, I reset the password then I closed the account immediately. Some of them I couldn't access. I had to just email customer support and say, this is mine. Here's my my ID, you know, please delete it. I don't want it showing on Google anymore.
0: There you go. I had to do that with all of my OnlyFan accounts. Um, and, and the thing is, there's that Wayback Machine uh, company that scours the internet, is supposed to scrape everything. So,
1: it's supposed to, but it doesn't actually scrape everything. It's not yeah. like it scrapes every day. Yeah. It scrapes at a certain frequency, so it's still okay.
0: Oh, does it? Uh, yeah. There you go. Oh, that's important. So people need to know this stuff. Um, how important is it... Can, And when people are building their brand to build some sort of consistency, you know, I, I look at people like yourself on, like on your LinkedIn, you're talking about the same subject and you're showing that you're a professional in it. You're showing that you're knowledgeable in it. You're, you're kind of building your brand around that. Um, What are some common missteps people do and, and how important is it to be consistent and not be like all over the place? Like you, you look like you're crazy.
1: Well, it's really important to be consistent because let's take this concept in advertising. Mm -hmm. They keep shoving the same commercial in front of your face over and over Mm -hmm. and over again until it gets seeded into your subconscious mind. You know, I keep getting fed the Liberty Mutual advertisement. They keep going like Liberty, 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 Liberty. I've heard that one, I think, a hundred times. I get it, right? So you have to apply like the same concept to your personal brand. Think of yourself as a company. So I see people, they are not even using the same name across all of their profiles. So for example, I was on a podcast show the other day. She introduced to me her name as Nick in her message. Hmm. Then I click on her podcast show. I click on her LinkedIn. Her name's Nicolette. Then I get on the show and I ask her, hey, should I call you Nick? Or should I call you Nicolette? And she goes, uh, you could call me Nick or Nicolette or Nicole. Whatever you want. Wh- whichever one makes you comfortable. And I-, I thought, oh my gosh, you can't even get her own name right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to call you? You can't even decide on that. Yeah. This is surprisingly more common than you <clears> think. <throat> the fact that wow. people can't even get their name consistent on social media. Like I had someone come to me. Her name was like Marina. And uh, she had a middle name here. No middle name on another profile, and then just first name, last initial on another one. Then oh, there's wow. someone else came to me, and he told me like he thought his name on LinkedIn had to be his full legal name, hmm. so it's like Constantine. But then he he explains to me because he's trying to get coaching from me. Uh, nobody in my life has ever called me Constantine. That's the name on my ID. Oh wow. And so therefore, that's the name on his LinkedIn profile, and I was like, hey, there's no LinkedIn cop checking. To, to make sure that everything you post online is accurate. It's not about being accurate. It's about who you want to present yourself to be.
2: That's true. <laughs> so That's I, true. I told him,
1: you got to use the nickname that everyone knows you by, because if if you're getting called your nickname at work, and then you're trying to add your colleague that you've been working with for the last two years, and your name on LinkedIn is Constantine, they're going to be like, who on earth is that?
0: <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how... Uh, how that plays out. In, and you talk a lot of, uh, about a lot of good stuff in the book. You give them a prescriptive formula uh, on how to uh, 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 get their job search done and what to do. Uh, can you tell us a little bit of tease out on that?
1: So one of the things that I say is really important is to get the professional headshot. So what I see people putting on LinkedIn is a photo from the wedding they think that just because a professional photographer took that picture therefore it must be a professional headshot (laughs) those are not the same things
0: yeah (laughs) especially if you're wearing the dress you know the wedding dress not not the
1: dress but from for guys it's the suit they think that just because they dressed up with the suit and a photographer is the one who took the picture is gonna wear a
0: tuxedo to work work every day is that what's going on
1: (laughs) um it's not the same thing the lighting is different the background is different one conveys professionalism, another conveys party
2: <laughs> <laughs> so they, they also
1: think that an iPhone photo will work or a selfie. No. I see a lot of those. No, I, I want people to get like an actual headshot and to look amazing in the headshot, which means that you got to book a hair appointment for the same day just before the shoot. So you get mm. a, a fresh haircut so that you look the, your best. What I told my hairstylist was, "Make me look like I'm a famous celebrity. <laughs> Give me that kind of look." Um, and then you also need to get a makeup artist as well. Mm. Don't just because you do your own makeup every day doesn't mean I do that mine. You, Oh, you do? You yeah. look great. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It doesn't necessarily mean that your makeup will look good for the camera. Camera makeup is completely different and requires different application and techniques, so you should Use the makeup artist that the photographer recommends that you use. And then after that, you're prepared for the shoot. So actually 80% of looking amazing in your headshot is actually all the homework before.
0: There you go. there you go. there's a lot of work that goes in looking good and I know there's there's photographers you can go to the locally they're really good at it and and uh, they can do your LinkedIn headshots I think you can probably Google one anywhere, but you're right those professional photos make all the difference and uh, they know how to do the lighting just right and hide all your blemishes I mean. That's why I wear makeup. I've got I've I, I've got so many blemishes. Uh, it's not even funny. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so uh, what about unique stories to tell? How can storytelling play a role in personal branding?
1: I think what people do these days is we have a lot of people in my generation. They have a victim mentality. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're much older. Maybe you think that same.
0: No, I do know that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Very well aware of that. We have a victim mentality. We like to point out what our identities are. Like, uh-huh. oh, I'm a, I'm an Asian American. So therefore, <clears throat> I have a glass ceiling. No, not glass uh-huh. ceiling. That's for women. Bamboo ceiling, right? Oh, I'm also a woman. I have a glass ceiling as well. I'm a millennial. I grew up in a time where we had the recession and now we have all the student loan debt. Houses are expensive. We can't buy houses. <laughs> it's all these like complaints, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's great. Um, What you can do is I used to be that complainer. I used to complain all the time. What I did was I took those complaints and I flipped it into a story. So I said, hey, I'm just your average Asian American female millennial. I know what it's like. I've been through it myself. I understand your problems, right? Mm -hmm. So um, then I can turn that into a story. So one of the things that I did was like, even for job interviews, I used to work at Domino's Pizza. I would like proudly talk about my time at Domino's Pizza and my job go. interview and all the wonderful things that I learned there. So for example, when I first worked there, I would complain about coming home smelling like pizza. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to have my hair down. They always made me tie it up into the ponytail, which I hated. Yeah. I had to wear a uniform all the time and I had to be on my feet all day. I uh-huh. wasn't allowed to sit down at work and we didn't have set lunch times either. So if it was always busy, You didn't didn't get to eat. You just have to work, you know? Um, But something that I learned there was to be grateful for the fact that I get to earn a living from doing something honest. Because I had a coworker who was blind. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he used to work as a sheriff. One day while driving up to a stop sign, he couldn't see anymore. He had glaucoma. Mm. And then after several surgeries, he he was just permanently blind. But he said, you know... I get disability income but i'm a man i want to provide for my family so i still want to be contributing and i I want to find some sort of work that allows me to do stuff without my eyes and still be able to help my family pay the mortgage Mm -hmm. he ended up working at domino's pizza folding boxes he folded a thousand boxes a day wow he's done that for 10 years wow and he was so grateful and content and i i looked at him and i thought How is it that I'm someone who's like perfectly Mm able-bodied and have so much potential? And I'm here complaining about working at Donald's Pizza, but he's so happy. So from this guy, I learned how to be content, regardless of what I was doing. And I would share this story with my future employers.
0: There you go. Uh, And as a side, why do you think your generation has that victim mentality? Is there uh, any sort of reasons why?
1: I honestly don't know. Maybe it's the in thing to do. Maybe it's the way for having camaraderie with other people. Feeling like you're a part of something. Everyone else is saying it. I want to be part of it too.
2: Hmm.
0: I wonder if launching you guys' most of the time going into, you know, school and college in 2008 was a crisis point, maybe shaped some of that. I don't know. There's a participation trophy. I I don't want
1: to use that as the reason though, because. Previous generations had a lot to deal with as well. You know, yeah. they had their own problems. That's Previous true. generations had to be drafted into the war. Yeah. For Christ's sake.
0: That's, that's something to be, uh, that's something to complain about, especially if you so did
1: Regardless of the time you live in, if you have the right mindset and you follow the right advice, you can still end up doing well.
0: There you go. Uh, one thing in your book that, you know, I've interviewed lots of people, hundreds of people throughout my uh, owning companies and and uh, working for other companies. And one thing you talk in your book is how to enhance your interviewing skills, how to ask the right questions, and positioning yourself as a leading candidate. That's a real skill a lot of people really need to work on because they a lot of people suck at being interviewed. They're really bad at it.
1: Yeah, people let me tell you what i what i is a pet peeve of mine when i had candidates applying for a position that i had open they just kept saying i'm the best person for the job because <laughs> i'm smart i have x number of years experience doing this mm-hmm. and i am also a great communicator therefore i have soft skills they every literally everyone said something along those lines <laughs> i'm smart i have experience and i'm a communicator wow yeah, it's a pet peeve of mine. They don't understand that job interviewing, trying to even land the interview to begin with, is all about thinking what the employer wants.
2: Mm, yeah. So
1: really, it's a sales skill and people never actually sit down to study sales, like go to the library and pick up sales books. <laughs> what can you learn from that? Because if you you're actually able to think from the perspective of the employer, then the employer is like, oh, this person actually understands what my problem is and is able to help me with the problem. They don't care how smart you are. They just want someone to solve their problem.
0: There you go. Uh so do people need to sit down and think, you know, what do I what what actual skills do I bring to the table? You know, just showing up and being like, I'm smart and cool. <laughs> <How are we? laughs>
1: no, it's not thing? about the skill. It's okay. not even about the skill because I was doing well in interviews, even when I was looking for entry-level positions Mm -hmm. i didn't have much skill Mm -hmm. the thing is you need to look for the problem that they were experiencing Mm -hmm. you need to actually ask questions why is this position open Mm -hmm. what are you trying to achieve Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what where is the company going what is the major um thing that's on the company's mind right now that you guys just can't seem to figure out what the answer is I I would like to ask, like, why, if this position actually had um, a previous person working there, like, it's not something that's just newly created, why did the other person leave?
0: That's a really good question.
1: You know, I love to uh, ask that question. I asked, why did the previous person leave? And they started saying, she was so flaky. She said she was sick. And the reason she couldn't get her work done on time was because of this illness that she had. And they had sympathy for her and they were willing to work with that. But to leave for a lunch break for three hours, I mean, that's not good, right? Wait,
0: that's bad? <laughs>
1: yeah. She Note thought it was okay. Stop
0: leaving for work for three hours.
1: But yeah. This person genuinely thought it was okay. Surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, her desk was always a mess. It was disorganized. So the moment I heard that, all I had to say was, don't worry, I got you. I'll show up to work on time, and uh, my desk will always be organized. Huh. I'll make sure that never happens again. And they were, they were like, cool, cool. We like that.
2: We
0: like her. Yeah. yeah no i i really like this because people don't ask a lot of questions you'll ask people uh so okay so now we've done the interview do you have any questions like uh uh, and then the worst is when they go uh so how soon can i get paid after i start because i kind of need some money (laughs) (laughs) and you're like seriously dude um and uh and and you know all that good stuff um and you're just like are you just gonna get your pay and leave then is that how it works (laughs) um But I like, the other thing is, too, asking questions to a prospective employer shows that you actually have a deep interest in the job. And maybe you've done some research. Like, hey, I saw that, uh, you know, there's a couple people on your glass door uh, that has written some reviews that didn't like this. Uh, can you tell me about, you know, maybe the environment or the, um, the you know, the culture that you have, at your company is it, uh, you know, positive, uh, you know, stuff like that? Did you guys get rid of Bob, the guy everyone's complaining about on Glassdoor, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera?
1: I actually did that
2: for oh, really?
1: one of my current employer, actually. I still work a full-time job while I'm selling this book. Mm-hmm. So when I was applying for jobs, he offered me an interview. I wanted to do my research before doing the interview. So I, he's a, you know, it's a really small business. So he doesn't post much online. Can't find very much, but what I could find online was one-star reviews on Google. So people were complaining, they they didn't give me my security deposit back. They like to steal security deposits. <laughs> so I went into the interview and I said, hey, listen, I tried to find as much as possible about your company. Mm-hmm. All I could really find were these complaints from tenants. Wow. Can you explain is it really as bad as what these people make it out to be are you really stealing money you know and then he was like the most vocal people always complain online when you do something well Mm -hmm. people don't actually you know, go out of their way to give you a five-star review.
0: Yeah, they don't. It's only, it's only the people that complain, but yeah. you know, the, the other thing that people tell me is they go, well, Chris, you're complaining and we don't get many job, we don't get many complaints about things. I'm like, that's because no one takes the time. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's a, it's a very valid dipstick when you get a complaint. I mean, that's what I learned in business. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it shows that you've done the research, like you say. It shows that you have you you have a real interest in the job. You're not lo- looking for a job. You're looking for uh, possibly a career.
1: Yeah, and you want to go into this interview acting like you have options. Like, oh. I don't need to be here. Yeah. I really don't need to be here. I chose to be here today to interview uh, with you.
0: Yeah, and just don't say it out loud, right?
1: I know, but it's this attitude, <laughs> certain attitude and energy that just says, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the kind of approach I took with that guy when I was like, "Listen, these one-star reviews you've got on Google, they're a problem. I have options. I don't want to be here, you know, if you're yeah. if it's really as toxic or as bad as what people say, I don't want that associated with my reputation. I'm here trying mm-hmm. to build up a stellar reputation. I'd rather work for a company that does have a stellar reputation. So please, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. You don't
0: want to be some place where. I mean, I remember years ago. This is before the internet, but years ago, I I went to work at a car dealership leasing company that that uh, bought and sold cars uh, from dealerships to you know they they found buyers and they say, hey, what car do you want? We'll have it shipped in and and get you the exact car you want. And uh, I went to work for them for a few months, and one day the TV news channels showed up on the front on the front lawn and we're asking for the owner and we're like what's going on turns out they've been kiting the contracts and all sorts of stuff in the back room with not paying bills and and for maintenance you know stuff i didn't know about I was just some sale and you know got a job mm-hmm. there but it was kind of embarrassing cuz you're like hey, just, i don't want this on my resume it was all of the news <laughs> and stuff and and so uh yeah i mean it's uh i've read some i've read some glass door uh reviews and you know you you can read some of them you could be like there's a really toxic ceo or manager over there like i just know it you just tell like everybody is complaining and you know it's always this one guy um but no you're right it it shows an interest in the job it shows you're just not looking for "Uh, a new job i've been on work for a while i need some money you know i'll do anything that's that's the one thing i used to hate hearing in an interview i'll do anything (laughs) (laughs) you're like wow dude okay so you don't care what job we give you man you just you just want a job you don't (laughs) want a career and no company wants that i like how you are interviewing their employer because it 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 shows so much when you start asking the employer about the job and and you and you show a unique interest in it because like wow this person really wants this particular job or this thing or they want to work for our company and you it, it makes you feel uh, very special and personalized as well. What are some things we haven't talked about in the book you'd like to tease out to people to get them to go pick it up?
1: I would like to tell people they got to apply to fifty jobs a day.
2: Oh wow! I don't
0: think
1: that's a lot. When I was doing my five day job search, so I landed an accounting job with no accounting degree for three <laughs> job searches in a row. I did it all in under five days. People wow. think this is not possible, but no accounting degree and got an accounting job, five days. My secret is I apply to 50 jobs a day. Wow. A week. I was my plan was to keep applying to 50 jobs a day until I actually got an offer in hand. So even if I was scheduled to do interviews, even if I already did the interview, I'm still applying to 50 jobs a day. Wow. I don't it's not about how many people say yes to me in the end. My thought process is I only need one person to mm. offer something. Mm-hmm. That was my mindset. I don't care how many people say no to me or completely ignore me, ghost me. I only need one. And um, I think that's the sales mindset. I think a lot of it people, yeah. they they if they apply to 50 jobs a day and they don't hear back, they start getting upset. They think they're rejected. Yeah. And then they, they go into this downward spiral like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't have confidence. People don't like me. So, so many other people are more qualified than me and it's none of that stuff. They create all this mind drama.
0: They do. And, you know, I, I'll, I still see that sometimes where I'll see young people that will be like, I'll be like, how's the job search going on? Oh, I sent out a couple of resumes. I'm like, a couple? A
1: couple means two, right? Like
0: two? Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and there used to be a time before the internet that that might work, you know, because you, you, when you put up a job, you, you may get some calls in the newspaper or something. But now you put up a job on the internet and you can get like 50,000 resumes overloading your email and you're just like, oh my gosh, how do we process this? And, you know, people don't realize it is a numbers game. Like you say, it's a sales game. Uh, The same thing applies to dating. If you want to find a diamond, you got to shovel a lot of coal and uh, you got to dig and dig and dig and finding the right career, finding the right job, uh, you know, the one that really fits what you want to do. It's a numbers game nowadays. And something you know... I want
1: to share mm-hmm. about what you just said right there is that actually in my book I compare dating and job searching <laughs> together. And I share the story of my my friend. She's a woman, she's been mm-hmm. single for five years. She's mm-hmm. been telling me she wants to get a boyfriend who's turns into a husband. And she came to visit me for five days. Five days she, she was complaining on end about how she couldn't find a boyfriend. Nobody wanted her. And finally, I was just like, Tell me the truth. How many dates did you go on in the last 12 months? She told me she went on six. Wow. And I, I was like, you're telling me you went on a date every two months, like one date every two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I said, you're not following the right approach. Mm-hmm. If I were in her shoes and I wanted to get like a husband, you know what I would do? I would line up three dates a week, yeah. Friday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. I- yeah. I go on and, Tinder. I just swipe right for everybody. I don't care what they look like or anything. And women
0: don't have to do much on Tinder. They just have to I sit know. there and they get 400 messages a day. Yeah.
1: I'll just you know, swipe. Like, what, are you, and, what was she and doing? like 150 over the course of a year. Yeah. I guarantee there's at least one guy in there who could be my husband out of 150. If yeah. not, then the problem is me, not you know, not the guy.
0: I've seen some of that in dating where uh, people are, are overly picky and they think that shopping on Tinder and going through DMs is like going through, uh, is like going through this year's catalog. And really, you know, the, this is the one thing I've learned about dating is you've got to go on a date with people and see if you have that simpatico energy of connectionness. And if you don't, it doesn't matter whether they own a cars or, you know, whatever they're asset profile is or whatever the thing is or you know maybe you go on a date with them and they smell bad that seems to be my biggest complaint women have about me on dates they're like seriously when was the last time you bathed and i'm like last week damn it so there's that Um, but yeah, you're right. Dating and jobs is a numbers game. A lot of stuff in life is really a numbers game. A lot of stuff is sales. You're constantly selling yourself. You know, people don't realize, you know, I've had people say to me, I don't like sales. I don't want to go into sales. You know, I'll be like, why don't you go into commission sales? It's good money if you can succeed in. I don't like selling myself. And it's like, no, you sell yourself all the time. You sell yourself to someone you date. You, you constantly sell a spouse, you know, why should you stay with me every day? Uh, you <laughs> constantly sell at your parents on, you know, being nice to you and buying dinner. You know, we're, we're constantly selling the whole world on who we are. The car you buy sells your image and your branding and stuff. And like you've said, you know, what you put online, put on your LinkedIn profile, sells you. That's so, passive um, selling. There you go.
1: That's passive selling.
0: Yeah. There you go. And, and so uh, as we go out, because uh, we could talk about your book forever and you've got a jam pack with so many great details people can see on Amazon. And when they're picking the book, uh, give us your final thoughts and uh, pitch as we go
2: out.
1: You guys can land a job offer in five days because I have personally done it three times in a row. And now I get jobs thrown at me without me even applying for them. I got wow. offered a CFO position a few months ago, which I turned down. I wasn't wow. interested, but Look, if I can do it, you can do it. I've made this whole prescriptive blueprint that anyone can follow. I didn't hold back. Like everything I learned over the last 10 years to get to where I was today, I included it in the book. The book is only $17.99. If you want to get a signed paperback copy with 10% off discount, you can go on AnnieYangFinancial.com using mm-hmm. the coupon code VOSS10. That's spelled oh, there you go. V-O-S-S-1-0.
0: Mm hmm. There you go. Well, we certainly appreciate that. And, uh, you know, invest in yourself, folks. And I know five days seems like, well, get a job in five days. But if you're sending 50 uh, emails or 50 applications every day, that's 250 by the end of five days' search. So uh, there you go. I mean, you're, you've got to be able to get an interview out of there somewhere. So uh the proof is in the numbers. It's a numbers game. Everything in life is a numbers game when people really come down to it. Thank you very much, Annie, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's been fun and informative.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. You're really funny. I really there
0: you it. go. I try to be. I try to be. I'm either stupid or funny or both. <laughs> There you go. Uh, for 15 years, my audience has been like, yeah, he's stupid, but he's kind of funny, too. So there you go. Uh, order of the book, folks. Wherever fine books are sold, uh, you can go to Amazon or other places. Uh, the five-day job search, proven strategies for answering tough interview questions, and getting multiple job offers available uh, on August 6, 2023 from Annie Margarita Yang. Uh, and uh, give this to uh, all those friends, you know, who still have their uh, kids living in their basement. One thing about millennials and Gen Zers is that they take longer to leave. This might be a great uh, gift during the holidays they're coming up. Buy them for everyone you know who's got that, uh, who's got that uh, kid who still hasn't left uh, home uh, to see if you can get them out of their parents' basement stuff like that so there you go some fun um or or not you know i don't know some people like their kids that much i don't know why i've seen their kids anyway guys uh thanks for tuning in go to goodreads.com for just christmas youtube.com for just christmas linkedin.com for Chris christmas and you'll probably see this on the linkedin newsletter so you subscribe to that as well uh because linkedin is huge over there uh Voss, one on the tickety-tockety for the kids thanks for tuning in be good to each other stay safe we'll see you guys next time